This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine giving you the inside scoop from Washington from the Center for American Progress. My next guest is Joseph Wenke. He's the author of Human Agenda, Conversations About Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. Joe Wenke, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Joe, I, I admit I haven't read your book, but I was reading the uh, squibs about your book, and it strikes me that this is a book that maybe should have been written in 1983. You're talking about uh, gay acceptance, talking about the, the human agenda rather than a gay agenda or a homosexual agenda. And it, it, while obviously I completely agree with you, I, I wonder whether our country has actually crossed this bridge. I mean, not OK, maybe not in Alabama and not in Idaho. There are a few places left. But it seems like the country has caught up, at least on that, maybe not on transgender issues, but on accepting gay people for whom they are. Hasn't most of the country crossed that bridge? You know what? I don't think so. I wish you were right, and I didn't have to uh, write the book. Frank Bruni, who uh, happens to be gay and is a columnist for New York Times a couple weeks ago, wrote an article that I think is interesting and is apropos of what you're saying. He made the point in the piece that, you know, yes, there's been tremendous progress on marriage equality, but what does that really represent? And he actually referenced uh, a poll that was done uh, through Harris Interactive that was commissioned by GLAAD, and amazing percentages of people admitted still to be very uncomfortable about gay people in different situations. So even though about half the country is supportive of same-sex marriage, marriage equality, more than 45% of the people who responded said they'd be uncomfortable if they found out that their son or daughter was being taught by a gay teacher or that hmm. the, the family doctor was gay. 45% uh, say they'd be uncomfortable to know that their kid's teacher was gay. Yeah, and a, a significant percentage of people are un- admit to being uncomfortable if two men are walking down the street holding hands. And this is one of the issues that we talked about in, in the book which is really a series of conversations with people telling stories about themselves based on the premise that there still are deep divisions on these issues, particularly on transgender issues. Yeah, and we'll get to transgender in a minute because I completely agree with you. There are significant problems still uh, Uh, for the transgender community. Yeah, it's dangerous if you're a transgender woman to walk down the street in most cities in the country. And and hate crimes are are, are terrible against transgender. But let me me deal first with... But the point I'm getting to, Mark, is tolerance... Is great. It's the first step, but it's just one step. After tolerance comes acceptance, and after that is uh, embracing equality and celebrating everybody for who they are. So the point, really, that Frank was making and that I'm making is that it's great that we've made this kind of step forward. Uh, but on an emotional level, people still have not entirely accepted people for who they are in terms of their sexual orientation or gender identity. And, you know, for the, I mean, if, if there were full acceptance, why would gay people have to come out to their parents, which well, is another big issue that we talk about. You know, if you're a straight guy, you don't go over to your mom and dad one day and say, just so you know, mom and dad, I like girls. You know, that never happens. It doesn't have to happen. 
And despite a lot of progress, and a lot of kids say this too, despite the fact that their parents may be progressive and so forth, once it's your kid, you feel differently. Now, on the other hand, I think the reason we've made so much progress on marriage equality, which is simply saying, you know, I think everybody has a right to marry. I think you have a right to be publicly accepted in your commitment to the person you love, regardless of whether they're a different gender or your own gender, is really because so many people have come out. So once you know somebody who's gay, whether it's a family member or somebody at work or a friend, it's kind of hard to take the position, no, they don't have a right to marry. And well, so, and I strongly agree with the political power of coming out, which is why I think it's important to note that I am gay. Uh, I don't talk about it a lot on the air. I do talk about it when it comes up, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I want to make it very clear because I don't want anyone to think that I'm hiding uh, the way that a lot of people in my city, Washington, still do, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, a number of people <laughs> in the Senate right now that uh, I think should should come out. But yeah. l- l- let, me, let me ask you, though, in terms of acceptance – one of the things I found recently uh, is I was looking at polls about interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, the majority of, as you know, the majority of Americans, just barely, 51% or so, 53 maybe, support marriage equality for same-sex couples. The majority of Americans supported marriage equality for interracial couples in 1995. Prior to that year, in, in the early 90s, the majority of Americans still opposed interracial marriage. So attitudes do take some time to change. I don't know whether people feel uncomfortable seeing a a black man and a white woman uh, holding hands in the street uh, as distinct from a a black man and a white man. Um, But, uh, you know, these things take time. It seems to me, though, that with with Hollywood and movies and TV, that, that what we really have is a massive generational split. In other words... I know few people under the age of 30 who are uncomfortable with gay people. You pretty much have to be a Christian evangelical if you're 23 and don't like gay people, and even they are are moving in our direction. Uh, On the other hand, if you're over 70, even if you're a progressive liberal union worker, you might still harbor some anti-gay prejudice. So isn't this just an issue that – and we'll get to transgender in a minute, which I think is different Mm – but that, that will just improve year after year? I think it will, but I think we have to ask ourselves, why is it that it's still kind of an act of uh, protest and activism if you're a gay guy to walk down the street holding hands? I was in a uh, restaurant in Harlem a few weeks ago uh, with one of the people in the book, uh, Giselle Alicia, who's a transgender fashion model, one of the most beautiful women in the world, uh, grew up in Harlem, and she looked out the window, I did, and there were two guys holding hands, walking up Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass uh, Boulevard, and she said, wow, that's brave. Um, there, there is a kind of visceral, emotional reaction to certain things. I mean, so, for example, maybe this jumps over to the transgender side. I wear pink fingernail polish uh, just about everywhere. <laughs> and you'd that's be amazed brave. at how a little color on your nails can be disruptive. People have all sorts of associations with that. Uh, in the book, I had a great conversation with Ian Harvey, who's a trans man stand-up comedian, and he made the point that he thinks that most spontaneous attacks on the streets of uh, you know, this country against gay guys are really gender-based. That is to say, how in the heck would you even know what somebody's sexual orientation is as they're walking down the street? Unless you're but, standing in line to go to a gay bar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Well, you could be doing that, or if you're holding hands, but you know, right. if you're wearing pink sneakers, or if you are somehow giving 
you know, the old school word effeminacy, that seems to get people riled up to the point where they can spontaneously attack you, even though you're a stranger. Which suggests, and it's a good a good segue to our topic of transgenderism, that yeah. gender identity is far more um, disruptive of some people's psyche than than being gay. In other words, being gay, that could be somebody else. But when it comes to a person's femininity or masculinity, for certain people who are a bit disturbed, that hits a closer to home for them. Well, it's not really even understood. Uh, people, a lot of people, very progressive, educated people, don't understand the difference between biological gender, which you're assigned when you're born, basically whether you have a penis or a vagina, right? That's as far as it goes, although in a more complicated sense, it's about you know, your sexual organs and reproductive organs and hormones and chromosomes and neurology. But gender identity, and from everybody I talk to, there's kind of an agreement on this. It's how you experience your gender, how you communicate it, and how you present it. And it's a kind of self-validating thing to declare your identity. People should just accept that. But there are a lot of people who think... If you declare that you're transgender, there's something wrong with you. And until very recently, there was still a diagnosis that pathologized, and there still is to some extent, uh, people are transgender by saying that they had a gender identity disorder. And now the word is dysphoria, which means that you're uncomfortable with your body. Of course, lots of people are, or plastic surgeons would go out of business. No, that's so. for sure. And there's certainly people who, who, who wish they were exactly had a different, uh, different body type. Um, but... Of course, some people are born intersex. I mean, in other words, exactly. they're actually born naturally uh, through whatever mixture of chromosomes in a way that is neither clearly male nor female. And for them, it, I mean, they're, they're born into this. In this. Well, there's a difference, be, uh, of course, between being transgender and intersex. And I was really right. honored to uh, speak with Tita Valoria, who is an intersex activist. She's in the book, and there are a couple of major issues about this. I mean, being intersex is even less understood than being transgender. Uh, she made the point that it's a lot more common than you would think. There are about 30 different variations uh, on how your sexual organs, reproductive organs, can be formed. You know, uh, if, if a newborn baby's girl baby, let's say girl baby, and has a, a larger clitoris uh, than is normal, or if a little boy baby has a very tiny penis, that's one variation, but there are a couple of dozen others. The problem is a lot of delivering physicians are deciding upon the birth of the child whether or not these variations are a big enough deal to perform a mutilating operation to fit the child into one or the other of the gender binary. They're making it binary. It rather, That's rather right, than... and they're deciding, and they're not abiding by the, you know, the age-old do-no-harm principle, and uh, Hida, who's the chairperson of the organization International Intersex, and her organization say that they believe in personal autonomy and that these, you know, it's not one operation. You end up having lots and lots of medical procedures, and you're like two, three years old. Here's what I find very interesting. If someone's born with nine fingers, which happens, you know, yeah. or 11 toes, uh, you know, uh, or someone is born, uh, you know, with, with um, a, a, a variation, uh, uh, whether it's, uh, it could be anything, it could be... Uh, a longer arm, or it could be um, a very hairy body. I don't know. Uh, yeah. The the those are not taken personally. In other words, people seem to understand. Oh, you're born with an eleventh finger, or you're born with a um, or, or, or it, it could be very natural. It could be very tall, very short, or whatever. Or you're born. Some people are born and they're naturally heavy. 
Um, but somehow, when you're born with an intersexual uh, identity, in other words, you, you're naturally born neither male nor female, that takes on a personality where it's not someone's fault how they're born, and yet yeah. people seem to put insist that they go in one box or another. Well, exactly. And HEDA now identifies from a gender standpoint as intersex. Over the years, uh, HEDA presented sometimes more as a woman, sometimes more as a man, sometimes androgynously. And now she says, you know, I'm, in fact, I can't even use the word. Well, I'm just going to say, I was just going to say, pronouns, I think that pronouns are oppressive. I mean, we have this trouble. Everything is he or she, his or her. You can't even refer to someone. It's very difficult to refer to someone and keep calling them someone. Or sometimes people say there, but they're not plural. There is plural. If you refer to their, their, you know, you know, the point is, being intersex is a gender identity, and you're making the point, too. What is it that is so radioactive about sexual variances that, you know, a doctor who knows what that person's qualifications are have to step in, you know, take out a knife and do something to force this newborn baby into a category? And we can't say it's uh, either because that make, that dehumanizes the baby. So maybe we need to redo our language. One of the things I noticed recently was that Facebook... Uh, apparently now has rejected the binary, male-female, mm-hmm. and allows all kinds of ways to describe your gender. And there's some people out there, I was reading an article about this, I forgot which newspaper the other day, who uh, are, are not transgender, a transgender being someone you know born in a biological uh, gender and, and presenting as, as the other gender, but simply who refuse to accept gender at all. They're not intersex <laughs> either. They're, they're yeah. not, there's, there's no biological difference at all but they simply refuse to associate themselves as male or female, rejecting right. the false binary. I don't know. I, I just—it seems like that's that's a very hard life to lead. It's even harder, perhaps, than transgender. Well, it is a hard life to lead, and uh, you know, so some people are gender neutral. Some are gender fluid. Some leave the house one day, presenting female; another day, male. Some people refer to themselves as gender queer. I identify myself now as androgynous. And, uh, you know, the funny thing in my case, I mentioned the pink fingernails, is I get both sir and madam. So, you know, I was in a midtown Starbucks a couple of months ago, like 10 feet away from the cash register. person looks over me and says, uh, yes, ma'am, you're next. I walk up the 10 feet to the register, and without skipping a beat, he says, what would you like, sir? So, so here's the thing. I, to, most, to most men and women, Joe... That would be profoundly disturbing. Let's just face it. Most men, if you call yep. them ma'am, are insulted. That's Most right. women, if you call them sir, are insulted. Why do we care so much? I don't care. I was. I know you don't, but you're but you're highly unusual in that I, regard. The guy called me ma'am. In fact, I was sitting at a table with my daughter, and uh, the waitress came up and said, "What would you like, ladies?" <laughs> So I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. Uh, I'll give people the numbers. 888-653-7543. My question for someone who is brave enough to call in is why do we care so much whether someone gets our identi- our gender identity wrong? So what if they call you, ma'am? So what if they call you, sir? Maybe on the telephone. Why does it matter so much? We all know it does. See if you can articulate why. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine having a very interesting conversation with Joe Wenke about uh, gay rights, civil rights, transgender rights, and uh, what we're really talking about now is intersexual gender identity rights. Uh, the question I asked before the break, and no callers apparently were brave enough to call in, though you still can, at 888 
could explain to me why we are so nervous about being called the wrong gender. When I say we, I don't mean intersex or transgendered or enlightened people like Joe Wenke, who doesn't matter whether people call him ma'am or sir. I mean, and I'm talking about the, the vast majority of us now. I dare Mark, say, I'd well, like to jump in here. All right, go ahead, Mark. I think as a man anyway, I think men are afraid of being emasculated, and maybe it's you know more so in our society in America. Maybe it's not, but there's a lot of pressure put on, you know, maybe less today, but... You know, there was an interesting Super Bowl ad where uh, I forget which company it was, but it was like, buy a truck to be like a man. Wear this so you're like a man. You know, do this so women like you so you're like a man. It's, there's always this pressure of to be masculine, and I think the fear of being emasculated is still very real. Well, it's definitely real, and it's definitely social, and it definitely comes from uh, parents at a very small age that encourage uh, little boys to play with trucks, little girls to play with dolls. But I would say it's towards women as well. Women don't want to be called sir. Oh, sure. They don't want to be uh, masculated, as it were, <laughs> instead of emasculated. Hey, you know what? I have a caller who's going to weigh in on it, and then, Joe, I'll get your take. Right. Maria in Santa Fe on line four, uh, what's your thoughts? Hi, Mark. Um, well, I think, you know, there's everybody's got a different reason, but I think it stems from the time that we're babies. What happens? We're put in pink or blue and bows in our hair or expected to be tough and play with army men. Versus so it's our parents' fault, Maria. It's our parents' fault. It's not our parents' fault. It's it's society and the norms that they've placed on us. Okay. I think that um, because... How, how do we I change that? Was, how do we change that? Do we actually encourage parents to let kids play with whatever toys they want to play with? Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I remember I was at a store and this little boy was trying to play with a Barbie doll and his mom got real upset. Mm. And, I, and I thought, wow, you know... She should let him play with that Barbie doll. Just it doesn't mean that he's going to be a girl or turn out feminine. Or and if he does, good. then God bless him or her. It's it's his who that person is. Joe, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I think that it's even broader than reactions to gender. I think that there's a tyranny of the norm. I think whatever group you're in, there's tremendous pressure to conform. When I was a kid, everybody was smoking cigarettes. I'm not taking credit for this. I've just never cared what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing. And as a result, I never smoke cigarettes. Uh, I think what we need to, to really champion is people being who they are. In fact, that's one of the most radical things you can do is just get up every day and be yourself. That's a great line, tyranny of the norm. You know, we also, people uh, look down, and, and even that even that phrase, look down, on people who are, say, four feet tall, because they're yeah. way shorter than the average, even if they, everything's, you know, working fine, or someone who's very, very heavy, someone who's very thin, someone who uh, is uh, maybe an albino, has, has interesting different coloring. Tyranny of the norm, I I. I Completely agree with you. That's what's going on here. Let me give Carol from Wisconsin. We only got about a minute left, Carol, but I'll give you the last word. Go ahead, Carol. Okay, thank you. Just real quick, I think we need a gender-neutral term, um, especially you know for our transgender community when people are going through um, their, the change to be who they really feel that they are. Um, I just feel like uh, male, female doesn't cut it. I, I agree with you that we need a, a gender-neutral term, and it doesn't seem to work. Joe, real well, quick, is there a term used in the community that means neither male nor female? What's the pronoun? I, you know, I, don't, I think language fails there. One term that's being reinvented that people still have a lot of negative feelings about is the word queer. 
which is now being applied to whether you are gay or lesbian or gender queer. Uh, but an interesting connotation that was brought up in my conversation with Kristen Russo, and she says there's a guy she knows who writes freight trains around the country, and there's a small community that does this, and she considers him queer because he's queering the norm and he's being subversive by hopping freight trains. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'll tell you, I, I, have, I don't really like the term queer myself. I would rather just go, to, I guess, to the German and say Z or something like that. Not he, not she, but Z and Zer or, or something like that. I don't know. Better minds than I can come up with something. Thank you, Maria and Carol, for calling in. Thank you, Joe, obviously, for, for you and your book. The Human Agenda. Get Joe's book. 